we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, he still did not believe in Let's pray today. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the text this morning. Thank you for your son. Please just open our eyes to see what you have to see here. Now, 
among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, a disciple of Jesus, who was from the side of Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Greeks just means Gentiles. There were Gentiles at this Jewish feast. They were probably just God-fearers that had some reverence for the God of the Jewish people. They were allowed to be there in a limited sense, as we'll learn. <laughs> and they're seeking Jesus in this new scene. They don't want to kill him like the leaders of Israel do. They're just they're curious about him. It's very important for the text today to understand, obviously, these guys aren't Jewish. They don't have any special lineage or heritage. And John, this is the first time these people have come to seek Jesus. Jesus has been at other feasts before. They didn't come to him then. If you know the Gospel of John well, chapter 4, he went to the Samaritans. They didn't come seeking him out in his own turf. So here for the first time, they come to see him. And they tell Philip about their request. Verse 22. Philip went and told Andrew. And then Philip and Andrew went and told Jesus. What are they doing? They had a meeting first. You see, Philip went to Andrew. Andrew and Philip were together. And they talked. What should we do? And then when they told Jesus. They didn't bring these guys to Jesus. Notice what it says. There's a reason. There's a reason. Because Philip and Andrew were probably anxious about this request at this Jewish feast to go see Jesus. There was a huge divide that's often lost on us between Jews and Gentiles in general in the first century. Jewish people loved them but as a whole, back then, they were not as welcoming as you might think to outsiders. So here's an example, just so you can get the kind of cultural setting, going to time machine back to this, this time, right, this era. They thought it would be a good idea, as an example, outside the Bible, this is just archaeology and history. They thought it would be a good idea in their temple they had the court of the Gentiles in their temple. Then in the, the inner part of their temple, there was courts for the Jews. And in between the temple courts, they thought it would be a good idea to put a sign. And we found this sign. You can go to museums. There's two or three of them in museums around the world. This is what the sign says. Just heartwarming and welcoming. Here we go. Greek and Latin. Here's what it says in English. No man of another nation, Gentiles, is to enter within the fence inside the special Jewish courts. Whoever is caught in our inner courts from another nation will have himself to blame for his own death. Heartwarming. Welcoming. God loves you. Welcome to our temple, right? God never told them to do that. It turned into this. This is one of the thousand examples we can talk about of what it would be like to be there. And this feast that's going on, they probably could have seen this sign at the feast. So Philip and Andrew get together and talk it over. They have a reason to be apprehensive. We know this, right? So they probably thought, using their the 
killed Noggin. Probably not a good idea if we go dragging a bunch of Greeks through this feast to go see Jesus. We're just going to go tell them. They just go tell them. Verse 23. Jesus hears this, right? He, he sees something in this moment. He's about to reply to their request to see him. He does not reply like you think. So the Greeks want to see you. Jesus answered them. Verse 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. That's his answer. They want to see you. Here's what I should do. Truly, truly, I say to you, he goes on, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So you'd think he'd say to them, just bring the Greeks over here, right? Or I'll go see them. I'll go out and see them. We'll go hide somewhere so no one can see us. There won't be any conflict. And I'd love to talk to them. He doesn't say that. Jesus sees something more here, something else to go do. And it's more glorious than a little meet and greet at a feast in Israel. He wants to really include them. They want to see me and other nations be a part of my flock. The, the nations are, are stirring and they're starting to come to me. This is a preview. This is a preview. Here we sit today, 20 centuries later, in a sales conference room at a hotel, looking at Jesus. This, this is a preview of what happened in the future. So Jesus said, they want to see me. If they want to see me and this is what's happening, then I need to go be glorified. And glorified here means dying. How do we know this? How do we know he's talking, he's looking at the cross when they come? How do we know? Drop down to verse 27 really quickly. He says, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. The hour has come for me to be glorified. Verse 32. Same, this is the same conversation in the same five minutes. This is all he's saying right here. When I am lifted up from the earth on my cross, verse 33, to show what kind of death he was going to die. So the Gentiles come to him for the first time, and he sees the cross. In his, in his death here, as they come, the nations are starting to come to him. He sees himself as a grain of wheat that dies. A grain of wheat that dies that will bear much fruit. Can that be talking about our personal lives that we need to die to bear much fruit? Absolutely, of course. Here as well, here as well, we need to think, right? Gentiles come for the first time. I'm going to my cross. It'll bear much fruit. What would that mean to their ears? their ears. We, we read in sometimes what we think. Well, what have they been hearing? With this idea of going to die on the cross in the first place be heavy for these people? In addition to that, other stuff Jesus says they piece together to bear much fruit. What would that, how would that land on them? <coughs> so we're going to get to us. No, just stick with me. <laughs> going to get to us, but to understand the weight of what Jesus really sees in his cross as he dies, we got to take 
two quick pit stops. In the past, back in Gospel of John, just two verses. We're going to go there, come right back. Just to make sure we hear what these people have been hearing, right? John chapter 10, verse 16, just one verse. Jesus tells the Pharisees, as the disciples are standing there, he says this. I have other sheep that are not from this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. There will be one flock, one shepherd. The Pharisees and the disciples probably, probably said, uh, where is the flock? What are you talking about? Other sheep. Who, where are you going to get them? Where are you going to bring them in from? They're just totally ignorant to anything he's talking about. Well, John, in our second stop, builds on this idea. Other sheep, not from this fold. What would this start to mean to them? Chapter 11. We're heading back to right where we are today. Chapter 11, John tells us Jesus' death would do way more than anyone thought it would at their time, in their day, sitting there hearing this for the first time. John tells us, 11.51, Jesus would die for the nation of Israel. Not for the nation only, but to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad outside our little nation. So we take this idea of all these things they've been hearing, this is just two examples, bring it right back to where we are in chapter 12. We might see what he's thinking in his final hours. Other sheep, not for this nation only. And now the hour has come to bear much fruit. A great harvest, you could say. A great harvest in its extent into the nations, the nations of the world, like the ones approaching him right here for the first time. Outsiders, everybody welcome. No Jewish pre-qualifiers. And if we doubt that might be what he's getting at, just look at verse 32 again. When the Son of Man is lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to himself. Don't forget, Jesus is saying this at a Passover feast. He's not out in Wisconsin at a picnic, just talking. He's at Jewish Passover in Jerusalem. The Greek text doesn't even say all people. The Greek text just says all. All. How much of a bigger old bucket could you get? Everybody, not just here. Everybody. Now, to them, to the people of the day. All? We don't. Jesus, did, did you forget about the sign? We have a sign at the temple. And the dirty people stay on the outside. And we, the Jewish people here at our feast that you're you know, kind of saying this at, we get to go on the inside, special part. So, I don't know where this is going. Where's this going? Right? All men. They could not process at the time, and we'll dig more into it, that the nations would be included in his cross. Anyone, anywhere, who'd receive him equally through the same gate. 
on his glorified, lifted up cross. The Gentiles and Israelites would need to see him. That's how he's going to gather his flock from in and outside the nation. You want to see me? That's how you need to see me. And my followers in the future will preach the way people need to see me. We preach Christ crucified, Paul said. So this event, the, the cross, when you, when you first encounter it, we look back on it, right? But when this idea is first really coming into the full picture, it's a, it's a leveler for the playing field of the world in redemption. For the, for the self-righteous Jewish man, as an example, who gets to go into the inner court, he's going to have to come out of the inner court and realize that he needs forgiveness of his sin, too. And the faraway Greek, who's hopefully, you don't know nothing, the faraway Greek just digging holes and watching the grass grow. Didn't grow up in synagogue, doesn't have any special background, he'll be welcomed have to move the sign of the temple. Huh. They're going to have to get rid of the sign of the temple. Maybe God will crush the Just a mountain today, gone. So this idea of the death of Jesus producing this, whatever you want to call it, ultimate global sheep from any flock, all men are welcome operation, this would have been shocking to the people here. The pious Israelite, as an example, would have been hearing, it would have been hearing, so you're going to die, we're going to bring in the whole world, we're all going to stand on the same ground underneath your cross? That would mean we all needed to be in your flock. It would have, it would have smashed their idea of their own self-righteousness in their time. That's why the Pharisees missed them. They, they didn't see a need for them. It should warn us, warning, as we look on. Paul said in Romans 9.32, looking at the nation of Israel, he said they had grown to pursue righteousness as if it were based on works of their law and not on faith. All these Jewish things, they just missed it. You say, well, James, they have Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 says Abraham was justified by faith. They, it wasn't in the front of their mind. It was lost on them. And now, and now, the cross, through God's eternal plan, is going to finally, ultimately, decisively bring together different sheep didn't even do all the Jewish stuff they were leaning on. Just the, just the cross. Someone else's work? Huh. None of my law keeping gets me in your flock? The human heart would say something like, uh, but, I've, but I've worked hard. I've worked hard at the temple. What are you talking about? mind-blowing them. Paul the Apostle in Philippians 3 had to come to the point where he said in 3-7, what gain I had and all the stuff I thought made me right with God, I would have looked blameless, he says. All that stuff I count as 
loss for the sake of Christ. So the cross for us, as we just look in, peer on, smashes our self-righteousness. Our pedigree, background, works, before or after faith in Jesus, don't count towards your position in Jesus. Doesn't add anything. Our righteousness and our forgiveness comes from Christ alone. We don't add anything to his work. Everyone everywhere only comes through him. That's why it would have been so shocking for these people. They just, they couldn't even imagine it. The disciples, it took years for them to even figure this out and understand it and apply it to their lives. You see in the book of Acts, a decade into the book of Acts, they still struggle with this idea that the Gentiles and anyone can just come to the cross and believe in Jesus, be on the same ground they were. So for the broken person, this cross that he sees coming, the hour has come for me to be glorified, lifted up for all men. For some people, this is comforting, right? It's comforting if you're a, a broken person. If there's any shame in your life, right? You might not be self-righteous. You might be broken, the total other end of the spectrum. This right here, just this whole general chapter, as Jesus is in the last hour of his life, all men can come. This right here, any flock, any nation, is for you if you're a broken person. He died on the cross for you to welcome you, to pay for your sins if you just receive him. That's it. What a relief, right? No extra work needed to enter his flock. Sins paid for. So as we drop down to verse 27, well, what did he really have to do to bring us all in? What does that mean, die on the cross? Sometimes lost, in my mind at least, I don't know about you, but as he's, as he's glorified and he's, he's lifted up on the cross, he sees this coming, what does he see? Look what he says, verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour of death. But for this purpose I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. So he's going to this final work. He'll be lifted up for anyone who would come. And he's troubled. Troubled looking at the cross. Sheep. Gathering, global sheep gathering is expensive. Expensive. In Luke here, he sweats drops of blood in this moment. It's called hematohydrosis. The medical condition comes from stress. So why, why is he why is he troubled? Because he sees something that we don't see. We don't always understand the full price he had to pay. To bring us in under his cross. We, we forget there's something beyond our field of vision. He's not just troubled over Roman nails. He's 
not just worried about being handed over to the Romans. So as he's lifted up, verse 32, we know, to bring anyone who would come, as he's hanging there dying, what's happening? Why is he troubled? Well, the rest of the Bible kind of peeks in on this moment. For example, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, Jesus hung on the cross, God made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him to be sin on the cross for our sake, instead of us. Jesus didn't ever do anything wrong. He never sinned, but God treated him like he did. He supernaturally somehow treated Jesus like we deserve. Jesus was a real suffering substitute for us. The ultimate picture of this, you can see as he sees his glorified hour coming in the last phase of his life is from Isaiah. Isaiah 53, 6 says, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord laid on the Messiah what we deserve. Jesus did more than just take Roman nails in his wrists. He really paid for you. He suffered supernaturally, however that felt and looked, we don't know, under the wrath of God that we're owed, under God's anger for what we've done wrong, that's the work it took. That's where he's going. A, a lifted up, glorified, suffering Savior. This is why it's such a big deal. This is why he's troubled in his final hour, because he's really actually going to pay for our sins. We need to always remember the great extent we need to go to to pay for us. Pay for us. We could never, ever imitate, replicate, substitute being good enough for his work on Calvary. It's impossible to achieve. Infinitely impossible unless you're the God-man. So as we close, I'm just going to glance at this last part of our text. Walk through it. We just need to remember something as we look at it. Just remember, and we'll get to this concept as we finish in a minute. But His grace, God's grace, opened our eyes, helped us to see our need for this glorified Savior that will be exalted and lifted up and draw all men to himself. God's grace helped us see that. He opened our eyes. Our sin just needed to be paid for because we were guilty. Our sin blinded us. So look at this crowd that's been around him his whole life. This is the whole last part of the text for today. They're a, they're a perfect example for us where we would be without the grace of God. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, but God gave us the grace to see it. So this crowd, verse 29, they're the most privileged 
people in history. Think about this idea. They've had the law of Moses, the prophets. They've had animal sacrifice to point them to Jesus. Look who's coming. Dying substitute sacrificed thousands of them, one upon another. They had Jesus teaching them for years. These people's great-great-great-grandmother were in the Exodus. Like none of this was strange to them. But look how they react to Jesus. Look how they see him. John 12, 29. After the Father spoke out loud, remember? He was troubled, and the Father said, I have glorified my name. I'll do it again. God speaks out loud audibly. And the crowd that should have seen him crowd says. The crowd stood there and heard it. They thought it. They thought it was thunder. Others in the crowd thought an, an angel had spoken to them. So the, the crowd doesn't even agree. They can't, they can't hear the Father's voice. John is winking at us as a good author. They're not hearing it. Look at verse 34. Look what they say here. After Jesus says, I'll be lifted up to draw all men to myself. So the crowd said, well, that's what kind of death we're going to die. Wait a minute now. We have heard from the law that the Messiah remains forever. Christ remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Drum roll. Who is who is the Son of Man? He, he was standing there. He was standing there. And the ultimate summary of all this, our last verse, 37. Though he had done so many signs before them for years, they still did not believe in him. These people following Jesus all these years, they would need help seeing well. All their pedigree didn't open their eyes. So God has to do, in addition to the cross, God has to do even that for us. Help us to see our need for it at all. The ultimate closing verse to keep us all humble. <laughs> keep us all humble. Myself, humble. John 1.12. About us. Those who did receive him, who saw his glorified hour as the most amazing news in the world, lifted up for all people, love it. I want that, right? Those who did receive him were born spiritually. Not from blood, not from their lineage, not from an animal sacrifice. Not from the will of the flesh, John 1, 12. Not even from the will of man, here's a point of contention, but from God. God made us see. Was it anything in us or around us? So let's just be as clear as we can as we quote. This gospel for the nations. The whole world, anyone can come that Jesus sees in his final hour is all about the grace of God. Did the work that we couldn't 
do on the cross, pay for our sins. We could never do what Jesus did. Infinitely impossible to make up for our sin. And God gave us the grace to see it. We received him. So we should just continue as humbly as we can to lay down our lives, look to our glorified King, humbly serve each other in the world. Father, thank you.